Well, hello everyone. I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, although I'll see you before the New Year. Um, but just remember that Jesus is the reason for the season and we celebrate his birth on December the 25th. And how grateful we are for Jesus Christ coming to this earth and becoming our savior and deciding to come and live inside of each one of us. Amen. So Merry Christmas. I hope everybody have a wonderful, uh, wonderful holiday season. Uh, but if this is your first time coming to the channel, here we read the scriptures together. We make sure we understand what we're reading and we make application to our lives. And I do a new video, post a new video every Wednesday. Uh, if you subscribe to the channel, you'll be notified whenever the new video is posted. And also comments and questions are always welcome. Uh, last week, we were in chapter 21. We read verse 1 through 11. And we were talking about servants and the difference between a servant and an indentured servant who's paying off their debt. And we talked a little bit about slaves. Uh, today, we're going to continue in chapter 21, where we're going to be talking about um, some, other, some more of the detailed instructions and directions that God has given to the children of Israel. He uh, gave them the Ten Commandments and uh, through... 21 through chapter 23, he's going to give them more detailed instructions uh, about how they're supposed to live as a nation. But as, before we get into that, let's just uh, start with a word of prayer. Thank you, Father. Father, we just thank you that each day is a new day. We thank you for a new beginning today. We thank you, oh God, that we don't have to be the same today as we were yesterday that we don't have to be the same tomorrow. Father, that each moment we can be new in you. I thank you for the newness of your life. I thank you, Lord God, that you live inside of us, that you watch over us, and that you keep us. I just pray for everyone that is listening. Father, that you would continue to give us a hunger and thirst for your righteousness, a hunger and thirst for your precious word, O oh God. Father, we'll be careful to give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. So <clears throat> let's just jump in because we do have a lot to cover. Uh, and just want to give like a, a brief, you know, like catch up for those that might not have been following uh, as closely. But the children of Israel have left Egypt. And if you remember, if, if you haven't been reading with me, I know you saw the, excuse me, the Ten Commandments where uh, God parted the Red Sea, drowned Pharaoh's army, and the children of Israel were able to walk through on dry land. Well, after that wonderful deliverance, okay, now the children of Israel are on their journey uh, to the promised land. They're on their way to Canaan land. So in this journey, uh, a lot of things have happened so far. Uh, they've seen a lot of miracles. One such miracle was uh, the bitter water made sweet. Uh, they needed to drink water, but the water was too bitter to drink. God made it sweet through a miracle. Uh, God provided bread from heaven for them because they needed bread. So he provided the manna. Uh, from for, for them, that was another miracle they've seen as they're journeying on their way to their Canaan land. God also provided water from the rock. They were thirsty and needed water to drink another time, and God provided water from the rock. Uh, God helped them to win their first battle. Their first battle was against the Amalekites. And, uh, and for those that, that didn't read it, Moses had to stand up. He had to get on top of a mountain and hold up the rod in his hand. He couldn't hold it up you know, without his hands getting tired. So Aaron and her was on either side to help hold his hands up. And uh, as long as Moses' hands were, were held up holding that rod, 
the children of Israel won the battle and God uh, caused them to have victory over the Malachites. So they won their first battle so far. So now they've journeyed, they're about three months into their journey after leaving Egypt and they come to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is a significant place because here at Mount Sinai is where God is going to give them the covenant. He's going to give them the, the covenant, meaning the Ten Commandments and all the rules and regulations that go with being his people, that causes them to be a nation. So God is giving them uh, all these rules and regulations. And when I say all, I'm talking about hundreds besides the Ten Commandments. So don't just think it was God has given Ten Commandments and that was it. But they were given Ten Commandments. Plus, he gave them hundreds, uh, about 600 or so other rules to go along with the Ten Commandments. And how many people know that that was probably impossible for them to keep because they couldn't keep it? Because we, we talked about this before, but the law was simply a schoolmaster. The law was uh, uh, just uh, uh, something that was given to show them like a mirror that you need Jesus. You can't keep all these rules and regulations. You need some help. But it's to show them what they are and what they look like. Amen. Uh, to, show, to point to Jesus Christ. But we had to know the law. God had to bring the law because they were lawless people. And the law was just supposed to keep them in check until Jesus Christ can come into the world and save us from our sins. So this is a setup. This is a setup. God preparing the world for Jesus' entrance by giving them these commandments and making a covenant with his children of Israel. So, uh, Let's start reading in chapter 21. We're going to start reading in verse 12 because we read up to verse uh, 12 yes, uh, last week. So, and again, this is, this is more rules and regulations that he's given them. So I'm not sure how much uh, expl uh, explaining we're going to do, but we'll probably just read a lot, a lot of it and just go over it. So in verse 12, it says, Anyone who assaults and kills another person, so I'm about murder, must be put to death. But if it was simply an accident permitted by God, I will appoint a place of refuge where the slayer can run for safety. However, if someone deliberately kills any in another person, then the slayer must be dragged even from my altar and put to death. So in other words, God said, if you accidentally kill someone, it was an accident, there'll be places or cities that he's going to make where you can go and be safe until, you, until your court date, until they decide what happened. Uh, but if you premeditated to kill someone, then there's no place you can hide. Uh, you're going to be held accountable for that. In verse 15, anyone who strikes father or mother must be put to death. Kidnappers must be put to death whether they are caught in possession of their victims or have already sold them as slaves or servants. So kidnappers, uh, this, this comes against slave, tra uh, slave trades and uh, sex trafficking. Anytime somebody's kidnapped, God speaks strongly against that, that they should be put to death. Verse 17, anyone who dishonors father or mother must be put to death. Now, suppose two men quarrel and one hits the other with a stone or fist, and the injured person does not die, but is confined to bed. If he is later able to walk outside again, even with a crutch, the, the assistant will not be punished but must compensate his victim for lost wages and provide for his full recovery. So you have to compensate the person. If you injure somebody, you have to compensate them. That's kind of like us suing, suing people in our day and time. Verse 20, if a man beats his male or female slave or servant with a club and the slave dies as a result and the owner 
the owner must be punished. So if you if you if you beat or injure your, your servant or your slave, you're gonna be punished. But if the slave or servant recovers within a day or two, then the owner shall not be punished since the slave is his property. And I know it's kind of hard for us to hear because we don't practice this servantship here in the United States or not like that. So uh, basically, if they, they're saying that this man owns this person who has made this an indentured servant who sold themselves to pay off a debt, well, if you kill this person, you're going to die. You're going to be put to death. Uh, if you injure the person and they, they, they recover, well, you've already been punished because now they you've lost your uh you lost their services. They weren't able to work for you during that time where they're recuperating. So you've already uh kind of shot yourself in the foot with that one. Verse 22. Uh now suppose two men are fighting, and in the process they accidentally strike a pregnant woman, so she gives birth prematurely. So see how God even cares for the pregnant women. If no further injury results, the man who struck the woman must pay the amount of compensation the woman's husband demands and the judges approve. So if she was just hurt a little bit, he just he could pay, pay whatever to compensate for what he did. Verse 23, but if there is further injury, uh, if she dies or if the baby dies, okay, now he's in trouble. If there's further injury, the punishment must match the injury. A life for a life. So if, if she dies, he dies. Or if the baby dies, he dies. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, a bruise for a bruise. So what is all that saying? Basically, God is saying, let the punishment uh, fit the crime. Uh, God doesn't want us to go overboard. And uh, some of the commentators are saying this is, this is more of God putting this in order for, uh, for us not to overdo it. You know, okay, you punch me. Well, now I'm going to go. I'm going to go kill your whole family. Okay, that's that's not that's not the correct uh, retribution. That's not what you're supposed to do. The punishment has to meet the crime, and we know even in our, in our, in our legal system we try to do that. Verse 26: If a man hits his male or female slave in the eye, and the eye is blinded, he must let the slave go free to compensate for the eye. And if a man knocks out the tooth of his male or female servant or slave, he must let the slave go to compensate for the tooth. So if you injure your servant or your slave, uh, God looks out for these people. You need to let set them free because you injured them. Verse 28. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, and you know, and we don't have we don't have ox in our backyard, but you might have a dog, a vicious dog. So if an ox gores a man or a woman to death, and the ox must be stoned, and its flesh may not be eaten. In such a case, however, the owner will not be held liable. But suppose the ox had a reputation for goring, and the owner had been informed, but failed to keep it under control. You failed to keep that dog under control, and the dog bit someone, and maybe the dog killed someone. If the ox then kills someone, it must be stoned. So you heard of dogs have to be put down because they, they killed somebody. And the owner must also be put to death. That's pretty heavy duty. So the dog and the owner is put to death. However, the dead person's relatives may accept payment to compensate for the loss of life. The owner of the ox may redeem his life by paying whatever is demanded. So they can tell you, okay, well, we're not going to demand your life, but you need to pay us X amount of dollars to compensate for our loved one that you killed or that you allowed to be killed with your ox. Verse 29, 
Verse 31. The same regulation applies if the ox gores a boy or a girl. Same thing. Before I was a man and a woman, now I was a boy or a girl. But if the ox gores a slave or a servant, either male or female, the animal's owner must pay the slave's owner 30 silver coins and the ox must be stoned. So this is where we get that 30 pieces of silver is the price for a slave. And just keep in mind, Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Judas accepted 30 pieces of silver in order to betray Jesus. Verse 33, suppose someone digs or uncovers a pit and fails to cover it and the ox or donkey falls into it. So you're being irresponsible. You have the big hole in your yard that you dug. The owner of the pit must pay full compensation to the owner of the animal, but then he gets to keep the dead animal. So you got this big hole in your yard. Okay, the dumb animal didn't know to go around the hole. They fall in the hole uh, and dies. Well, you get to keep that animal. Verse 35. If someone's ox injures a neighbor's ox and the injured ox dies, then the two owners must steal, must sell the live ox and divide the price equally between them. Common sense, right? They must also divide the dead animal. But if the ox had a reputation for goring, yet its owner failed to keep it under control, he must pay full compensation, a live ox for a dead one, but he may keep the dead ox. Okay, so a lot of these were just common sense, right? You compensate people for their property. If you, if you mess up something, then you have to fix it. Okay, let's go to uh, chapter 22, where it talks about uh, property and theft, actually. So this is more information about stealing. Remember the, the commandment, thou shalt not steal? Well, if someone steals an ox or sheep and then kills or sells it, the thief must pay back five oxen for each ox stolen and four sheep for each sheep stolen. If a thief is caught in the act, verse 2, I'm in chapter 22 of Exodus, verse 2. If a thief is caught in the act of breaking into a house and is struck and killed by the in the process the person who killed the thief is not guilty of murder but if it happens on in a daylight in the daylight the one who killed the thief is guilty of murder so it appears here that they're talking about at, you know at night they didn't have lights like we do they couldn't uh turn on the light switch or they had lamps but they didn't have lights like we do so at night they wouldn't be able to see who was breaking into the house so they, so you could accidentally kill the person because they surprised you or whatever, and you just hit trying to protect yourself, and they died. So you wouldn't be punished. But if it's daylight and you see that it's a thief, obviously you're not supposed to kill the thief. You're supposed to capture him and and let him pay for what he's done. Because in the next verse it says, a thief who is caught, you catch this thief in your house, must pay a full, must pay in full for everything he stole. If he cannot pay, he must be sold as a slave to pay for his theft. So anyway, in other words, he's going to be an indentured servant so he can pay off what he stole. Verse 4, if someone steals an ox or a donkey or a sheep and it is found in the thief's possession, then the thief must pay double the value of the stolen animal. So you caught red-handed with it, you're going to pay double. If an animal is grazing in a field or vineyard and the owner lets it stray into someone else's field, okay, and graze, then the animal's owner must pay compensation from the best of his own grain or grapes. So you let your animal wander off into somebody else's field, so he's eating up their, their grass and their grapes and all their stuff. Well, you're going to have to pay that owner for that. If you, verse 6, if you are burning, 
thorn bushes and the fire gets out of control and spreads into another person's field, destroying the sheaves of the uncut grain or the whole crop, the one who started the fire must pay for the lost crop. Common sense. You start the fire, it burned, it, it went over to your neighbor's field, you got to compensate your neighbor for what you did. It's your fault. Verse 7. Suppose someone needs money or goods with the neighbor for safekeeping, and they are stolen from the neighbor's house. So your money's stolen. If the thief is caught, the compensation is double the value of what was stolen. But if the thief is not caught, so now there's no thief caught. So now this neighbor is going to be brought under question because the money was in his care. But if the thief is not caught, the neighbor must appear before God who will determine if he stole the property. And it says God here, but a lot of times when they say God is it, it's referring to the judges and magistrates, you go before court. Verse 9. Suppose there is a dispute between two people who both claim to own a particular ox, donkey, sheep, an article of clothing, or any lost property. So you got two people that's fighting over the same thing. One says it's mine, the other one says it's mine. Both parties must come before the judges. Uh, the New Living Translation says come before God, but like I said, it represents the judges, the magistrates, so in other words, you go to court. And the person whom the judges declares guilty must pay double compensation to the other one. Verse 10. Now suppose someone leaves a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any other animal with a neighbor for safekeeping, but it dies and is injured or is taken away. And no one sees what happened. So the animal disappears. It died or injured or something. Nobody knows what happened. The neighbor must then take an oath in the presence of the Lord. Because remember, the neighbor was keeping the animal and it just disappeared. He must make an oath in the presence of the Lord. And if the Lord confirms that the neighbor did not steal the property, the owner must accept the verdict and no payment will be required. But if the animal was indeed stolen, the guilty person must pay compensation to the owner. If it was torn to pieces by a wild animal, uh, the remains of the carcass must be shown as evidence and no compensation will be required. So if you can you can uh, find a, a leg or some kind of torn part of that body to show that a wild animal destroyed it, and then you're off the hook. Verse 14, if someone borrows an animal from a neighbor and it is injured or dies when the owner is absent, the person who borrowed it must pay full compensation. But if the owner was present, no compensation is required and no compensation uh, is required if the animal was rented. For this loss is covered by a rental fee. Interesting, they had rental fees back there. Hmm. Okay, so uh, verse 16 is talking about uh, social responsibilities. It says, if a man seduces a virgin, now key word, if he seduces a virgin who is not engaged to anyone and has sex with her, he must pay the customary bride price and marry her. But if her father refuses to let him marry her, the man must still pay him an amount equal to the bride price of a virgin. Now, back in the day, uh, when you uh, were went to marry uh, a young woman, uh, you had to pay a price to her father because you were taking one of his work hands out of his house. Uh, his daughter was was uh, used to help him work in the house. Well, now you're taking her, so now you're going to compensate that father by giving him the bride price. 
So it's saying here, if this man seduces this virgin, he's got to pay that bride price to her father. But the father could refuse to let the man have her. Uh, perhaps he's mad because he, he you know, stole her virginity or whatever. And he could decide, no, you, you're not fit for my daughter. The man still has to pay the father. Verse 18, you must not allow a sorceress to live. A sorceress is a witch. Anybody that's casting spells and things like that, uh, God says you're supposed to put them to death here in the Bible, back in this day. Anyone who has sexual relations with an animal must certainly be put to death. So no bestiality. It's against the Bible for you to have sex with animals. Verse 20, anyone who sacrifices to any God other than the Lord must be destroyed. Okay, you don't want to do that because actually um, sacrificing to other gods is really not sacrificing to other gods. You're actually sacrificing to demons. Uh, and that tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20, Paul says, What I'm trying to say, am I saying that food offered to idols has some significance or that idols are real gods? No, not at all. I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not God. So Paul said these sacrifices are often you're offering to demons. So anyone who sacrifices to any other God than, uh, than the Lord must be destroyed because you're sacrificing to demons. Verse 21, you must not mistreat or oppress foreigners in any way. Remember, you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. Look how God cares for even the foreigners, those who uh, are not Hebrews. They're not his chosen people, but he loves everybody. So you don't even mistreat the foreigners because remember, you were a foreigner in Egypt. Verse 22, you must not exploit which means to hurt or mistreat uh, a widow or an orphan. If you exploit them in any way and they cry out to me, then I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will blaze against you and I will kill you with the sword. Then your wives will be widows and your children fatherless. So remember now, these are rules and regulations that God is speaking and giving to the people. He's telling Moses, uh, this is what I want you to tell the people. And so he's saying, if you exploit a widow, uh, or an orphan, look out because I'm coming after you. So God even, he cares, he's got so much care in his heart for the widows, the orphans, for the foreigners, the fatherless. He loves, he loves us all. Verse 25, if you lend money to any of my people who are in need, do not charge interest as a money lender would. If you take your neighbor's cloak uh, as security for a loan, you must return it before sunset. He's even worried about your neighbor getting cold. He said, this coat might be the only blanket your neighbor has. How can a person sleep without it? If you do not return it and your neighbor cries out to me for help, then I will hear, for I am merciful. So don't overcharge people. If you lend somebody some money, don't say, okay, I, I gave you $20, now you owe me $25. You're not supposed to do that, okay? You, you, you don't, over, you don't uh, uh, charge interest when you, when you lend to people. Uh, when you lend to your, your brother, fellow brother. You must not dishonor God or curse any of your rulers. Uh, this includes anybody in authority, or judges or magistrates. You know, you're supposed to obey the law of the land. Verse 29, you must not hold anything back when you give my offerings from your crops and your wine. So when God tells you to give, when he speaks your heart to give, you give willingly. God loves a cheerful giver. 
You must give me your firstborn sons. That's one of the rules God put in place because when the uh, last plague, when the children of Israel were about to leave Egypt, was the death of the firstborn. And he reserved the firstborn by uh, when they put, they put blood on the doorpost. And then he claimed those firstborn for himself. Now, that doesn't mean they, they kill their own sons, but they offer their sons to God and then they replace it with a, a lamb in its place and they bring their child home. So they actually sacrifice a lamb in the place of a child. Verse 30, you must also give me the firstborn of your cattle, your sheep, your goats, because they were also uh, uh, preserved during that last plague. The firstborn of cattle and sheep died in Egypt. But leave the newborn animal with his mother for seven days, then give it to me on the eighth day. You must be my holy people. Therefore, do not eat any animal that has been torn up and killed by wild animals. Throw it to the dogs. In other words, he doesn't want them to be, uh, eat contaminated food. Because uh, obviously it's contaminated. Uh, he said, don't even eat it, just throw it to the dog. Because he wants you to be holy. He wants you to be set apart. Because you know that's what holy means. When, you're, when he tells you to be holy for I am holy, be set apart. Amen. Um, now, I, I mentioned about the cities of refuge that he had set in place for those that um, have killed someone. So if you kill someone accidentally, you uh, it could not have been premeditated. So therefore, there is a place for you to go where you would be in safety. Uh, you had to flee to that city of refuge immediately, and you had to stay there. You could not leave that city of refuge. Uh, and once the high priest died, you'd be able to go back home. And this law was for the citizens as well as the foreigners as far as the city of, city of refuge was concerned. And if you had money, you could not pay for the injury of the person or, you know, pay because you killed the person. Because it wouldn't be fair to people that didn't have money. So instead of the city of refuge, again, God's showing mercy for people that accidentally killed someone. You know, God has mercy and grace. He's a loving God. He's a fair God. He's a just God. Amen. So we are going to, to stop there. And I just want you to uh, just remember that just to make sure I didn't forget anything before we before we close out. Um, I think we covered everything because most of those rules were self-explanatory. And just remember that it's, it's God again that is telling the children of Israel, this is how I want you to act as kingdom citizens this is how i want you to interact with each other uh this is the kind of relationship that you should have so he's showing them what they're supposed to look like amen knowing all the time that he's setting them up preparing the world for the interest of his son who's going to make all this possible how many people know because he said i will put my laws in your heart and in your minds, he tells us that in Hebrews chapter 10, I believe that he's going to put his laws in our heart and our minds. And he has actually done that because Jesus lives in our hearts and in our minds. Amen. Amen. So if you have not accepted Christ into your heart, please go to my channel uh, on YouTube called Reading to the Bible with Elder Linda. And there will be a, a playlist there called The Sinner's Prayer. And this playlist on this playlist, will be, you'll be taught why you need Jesus. You'll be explained why you need Jesus. And there's also a teaching about salvation tape, which will explain your salvation experience. Amen. So remember tomorrow is not promised to any of us. 
Uh, I just recently heard some sad news about uh, one of my cousins who just passed away. And, you know, it's just, we just never know when our number's up. So please, please, please give your heart to the Lord uh, because you might not be here tomorrow. And that's just, that's just a fact. That's just the truth. Amen. Amen. So let's just close in prayer. And again, Merry Christmas to everyone. God bless you. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord God, for this lesson. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that our times are in your hands. Father, I pray that all those that uh, have not come to you, have not given their heart to you, Lord God, that you stir them up in the name of Jesus, that you give them a hunger and thirst after righteousness, that they might say, what must I do to be saved? Father, we love you, we honor you, we give you the praise, and we thank you so much that you are our God, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you next week.